Hey, here's Natalia, and you're listening to another episode of my podcast, Native Like Fluency in English. Here we talk about the methodology of achieving native like fluency and the practical applications of lifelong learning. In my methodology, this translates to a deliberate practice routine and human caring feedback. These two ingredients make it possible for lifelong learning to bring both results and immense joy. Today, I'm inviting you to join the conversation about accent. There is something that I need to tell you up front. If you struggle understanding people, meaning listening to native speakers and hearing what they say, most likely you speak with an accent yourself or you have pronunciation issues. You're probably somebody who's working on their pronunciation. The reason is simple. You can't repeat what you can't hear. That's it. You can't produce certain sounds simply because you probably did not hear them well enough. You probably can't pick up certain sounds when you listen to native speakers. And that's why you can't repeat them. As soon as your listening skills improve, your pronunciation improves. And vice versa. As soon as your pronunciation improves, your listening skills improve dramatically. If you're somebody who invests in a deliberate pronunciation routine, expect your listening skills to improve. And if you're somebody who works on improving their listening skills deliberately and consistently, expect your pronunciation skills to improve as well. Just make sure that the exercises in your practice routine make you say things out loud. In this episode, we're going to try to answer the question, why do so many non-native speakers feel not very confident about their accent? Why do people want to get rid of their accent? And what is actually the problem? What is an accent, and what is poor pronunciation? Where is the divide line? Let's get started. I read an interesting article today written by a non-native speaker who talks about stereotypical thinking when it comes to judging new people by their accent. She is not a native speaker who lives in the U.S., and she says that she is guilty of stereotyping people, and she has been stereotyped so many times that she decided she needs to speak up and talk about it. Look, a lot of people are moving to the United States these days and to other parts of the world where people speak English. A lot of people are getting new jobs where they must speak good English. And we see a lot of people concerned about their own English skills. However, if you're a software engineer, you probably do not need to speak perfect English. You will never react to advertising which says sound like a native speaker in 30 days or lose your accent in two months simply because you do not need that. You can do without. If we take Bay Area, San Francisco, people are so used to hearing different accents there that it has become the new normal. And almost everybody builds a technological startup. Everybody is in IT. There are a lot of software engineers there. And again, if you work in IT, if you create a new technology, you're not expected to speak with, without your accent, and your accent is never a problem. Yes, everybody talks against stereotyping people, and everybody talks about diversity, but in reality, people who code do not really need to sound like a native speaker, and there is no direct correlation between their competences and their English skills. But there are also other jobs in the world there are people who sell. There are people who need to lead international teams. There are people who consult big, I would say, large enterprises on how to invest their money. 
there are people who are supposed to run and host long conversations with their native speaking clients. There are people who need to talk to customers directly. There are a lot of people on client-facing teams. There are a lot of people who create content for native speakers, people who write, people who speak, people who speak at conferences as well, people who sell. And if your job is to sell something or to create some content for native speakers, unfortunately, even if people say that they do not judge and that they don't want to stereotype, subconsciously, they will stereotype you and subconsciously they will judge you. There is scientific evidence for that, which says that when we listen to somebody who speaks with an accent, it's a lot harder for our brain to process this information. If we have a friendly conversation with someone who has an accent about life, about vacation, about food, about your favorite pizza place, that's fine. But if you have to listen to somebody present an important solution with ac- with an accent over an extended period of time, it is more difficult for our brain to concentrate and to process this information. I don't know what scientific research they refer to, and I don't know how heavy the accents were that they listened to. I don't know who was in the focus group, how many accents they analyzed, and most importantly, how how bad they were. But what I know from experience is that accent is not that big of a problem. There are a lot of great speakers who speak with an accent. There are a lot of good TED speakers. There are a lot of actors who speak with an accent, and we love listening to them. But what I know from experience is that it's extremely difficult to listen to people over an extended period of time who speak English in the rhythm patterns of their first language. When they do that, they mispronounce many words. They ignore word stress and sentence stress. They don't understand stress. And English is extremely sensitive to stress because it's a stress-timed language. They emphasize the wrong words, thus they're not helping the listener understand what they're saying. And their melody sounds unnatural to native speakers. They say words, but it takes effort, a lot of effort, to understand what these words mean. This becomes a problem. When you have to listen to such a presenter for 45 minutes, you feel like you've done a lot of hard work and you you haven't done it well. And this becomes a real problem. That's why people who work in sales, people who work on client-facing teams, hate when people tell them, Oh, you sound cute. Don't lose your accent. You sound so cute. This is a part of you. Um, Can I try? What if I speak with your accent? They hate those comments because they don't want to be cute. (laughs) That's not what they want. They want to be understood and they want to be taken seriously. They want to belong. That's what they want. And when people say, oh, your accent is so cute, it basically translates to If you deliver to our presentation, I do not promise I'm going to stay until the very end. Those people who work on client-facing teams understand the importance of working on their pronunciation skills. And I understand it myself. If you are a teacher listening to this, you can't afford to speak badly. You just can't afford it. Even if everybody 
or many people tell you, oh, come on, everybody knows that you're not a native speaker, so that's fine. But you know that you chose to be a teacher, which means you chose to commit to continuously improve your skills. I want to share a personal story about stereotypical thinking and how I was judged by my accent. When I was 18, I, was in, I went to the United States for the first time. I worked uh, at a golf resort and I lived in a dorm with many other students like myself. And I fell off a bike. Before I knew that I was going to get stitched, I uh, found myself uh, in an ambulance car. So somebody called the ambulance. Uh, they looked at my leg. They asked me a few questions. And I was very confident that I can reply. I was conscious. I was conscious. I was fully aware of everything that was going on. Yes, I was in pain, but I was conscious. They started asking questions and I replied. I heard and understood every single question. Yes, my English was different back then. I was 18 and I sounded differently. Yet, based on the experience that I had had before that incident, I knew that everybody understood me and I understood everybody. However, when they heard my first reply, of course, they heard my accent, and the doctor who asked me this question yelled, do you have a translator here? Anybody, please help. We need a translator. <laughs> I, was, I was ashamed, I would say. I was so shocked that he didn't even try. He heard me say one sentence and he immediately jumped to the conclusion that I cannot understand him and that I cannot speak English. And because, of course, of course, he arrived at a place where everybody was a foreigner. I lived with about a hundred other foreign students in this dormitory, and they all surround the ambulance car. I understand why he did that, why he said that. However, I also remember my thoughts and how I was shocked. Do I really sound so bad? That was the question going through my mind. Because I can't understand you. I can't reply to your questions. And he asked me questions like, what's your name? Where were you born? What happened? And I could answer every single question. But I was judged by my accent. And he was deaf to everything he was trying to tell him. He didn't listen to me. He was busy looking for a translator. I was puzzled, to say the least. Very, very puzzled. And of course, they didn't find anybody. <laughs> so my friend went to the hospital with me and when we arrived at a hospital he realized that he could have a conversation with me i answered all his questions he asked me how many stitches i wanted i said i wanted seven he said sorry sorry i can't do seven you need nine <laughs> we had a good conversation i think i remember every word of that conversation to this day but i lived through this experience myself and it made me understand how hard and how much harder I need to work on my pronunciation skills to be understood and to be able to build meaningful relationships with people. I realized on that day that one word or even one sentence said with an accent can deflect an invitation to have a conversation. A person who doesn't expect to hear the accent that they get to hear can feel that they're not ready to have a conversation with you. They're not prepared to continue the conversation because they already heard something 
that doesn't match their experience and they they don't know how to deal with this information and the brain what does the brain do we already know that your brain loves mental simulation as soon as it hears one sentence it starts predicting the future basically it tells you that if you continue the conversation with this person with this strange accent it's going to be tiresome it's going to be a tiresome conversation because in 30 minutes time, you're going to feel tired and you're not ready to deal with this accent because chances are high, you're not going to enjoy it and you're not going to feel engaged in the conversation. It's just a lot of hard work. Why do it? People who work on client-facing teams know this and they know that they are always subconsciously judged by their accent. Now let's define what is accent. And what is bad pronunciation? I honestly believe that your accent is not really a problem as long as you stress words correctly, as long as your pronunciation is correct, and as long as you have mastered the shape of your vowels. These are the three challenges for non-native speakers that make them hard to understand. And somebody who says, oh, it's just my accent, but in fact they mispronounce words or they stress words incorrectly, doesn't really understand what accent is. If a person stresses the words correctly, what does it mean to stress a word correctly? It means you spend enough time on each stressed syllable. So instead of time, you say time. You take your time to stress a syllable. And if you stress words correctly, for example, you say feedback correctly instead of feedback, <laughs> which is incorrect, you help native speakers understand you. You help your conversation partner follow you. And you help people enjoy conversations with you. I do not teach accent. I do not teach phonetics. I've never taken any um, courses on phonetics I, I found it extremely boring to study and examine every sound separately, so I never did that. But I could hear that the way I speak doesn't really match <laughs> the reality of what I hear around me. I just couldn't make those sounds. So the sounds that were difficult for me, I just added them to my practice routine. If I watch my own videos from 2019, I can hear that half of my vowels were British and half of my vowels were American. I stretched some vowels too much. And even now, the way I said stretched, stretched, I stressed it too much. But I used to stretch my vowels a lot. Sometimes I sounded normal and sometimes my melody was, I would say, pretty strange. <laughs> I would say a uh, where I needed to say a. For example, in words like aviation. I used to say aviation, but the correct pronunciation is aviation or Cambridge, but not Cambridge, Cambridge or Australia. Somehow I was deaf to these sounds, so I didn't even pay attention to those. But the better it gets, the better it gets, right? The more you see, the more you can see. Gradually, step by step, I learned to give feedback to myself and to hear that, hey, the way I say these words and the way I pronounce these sounds doesn't really sound right. If I compare the recording of what I say with the recordings of other native speakers who say the same phrase or the same word, 
And it's important here that I compare myself with many, with the examples of many native speakers. I don't want to learn from one person. I can see the pattern. I can see that all of them, even though they speak differently, there are individual differences, they all stress the word the same way. They all pronounce the vowel the same way. And my vowel sounds different. It means it's my problem <laughs> and I need to work on it. One more time to wrap it up. Pay attention to your vowels. Pay attention to stress. If you see a word that you don't say every day, it makes sense to go and check it in the dictionary one more time. Even if you know the word, even if you know the word email, check yourself. Do you say email or do you say email? Because that's the example of their own stress. You need to say email, feedback, insight for people to understand you easily. And this is not accent. What is accent? When you speak with an accent, you have difficulty pronouncing certain sounds. They can be both vowels and consonants. But if you say the sentences that are grammatically correct, if you stress the words correctly, if you do not make pronunciation mistakes, you're still easy to understand. Let's listen to some examples where people speak with an accent, but they're perfectly clear. Men are typically more deceived about their talents than women are. They are also more likely to succeed in their careers. That's because one of the best ways to fool other people into thinking that you're better than you actually are is to fool yourself first. This is why you may not just have worked with people who are not as good as they think, but also for them. Unfortunately, being unaware of your limitations increases your probability of being a boss. This is Thomas Chamorro Primusic and his TED Talk at the University of Nevada, Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders? And this person is recognized by The Guardian. He has written books. He has written 10 books and over 150 scientific papers on the psychology of talent, leadership, innovation, and AI. His books include I, Human, Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders, The Talent Delusion. Look, a lot. He is an organizational psychologist, a professor of business psychology at University College London, chief talent scientist at Manpower Group, and he's known for personality profiling and psychometric testing. Wow. Wow. His accent is clearly not a problem. He is from Argentina, and we hear his accent very well. Yet, it doesn't prevent him from teaching native speakers in London, from creating video content or writing books in English that sell worldwide. Yes, we can hear that he we can hear his accent. He has difficulty pronouncing certain sounds. However, he pauses in the right places. He stresses the words correctly. He gives the right words enough emphasis. And he is able to follow the rhythm of the English language. So when native speakers listen to him, they can listen to him from one stressed syllable to the next. He takes them from one stressed syllable to the next. And if you do that, people will find it easy to listen to you, even if you have an accent. The conclusion that I make is that it's way more important to 
learn and understand the rhythm of English. It's more important to practice speaking in the rhythm of the English language and practice it deliberately. This is more important than trying hard to get rid of your accent. This is why rhythm is one of the nine essential skills in the system of exercises that I teach. And honestly, nobody taught me, nobody introduced the concept of rhythm when I learned the language. I discovered it myself through experience. And when I got experience that I couldn't explain, I started looking for research, academic papers, books, and I found so much. But somehow it wasn't for the eyes of language students. It was for academics. It was for researchers, but not for people who want to master the language. So I started creating exercises for myself to understand how to speak in the rhythm of English. Because I never worked on my accent deliberately, I don't feel like I can be someone to give you advice if you if you're struggling with the situations we spoke about earlier. However, I'm someone who knows how to practice deliberately. What I did is I deliberately worked on my vowels. Once I received the feedback that half of my vowels sound British and half and another half sounds American and that my melody sounds strange, I started a practice routine for myself where I identified the vowels that needed work first. I learned that there are only 14 vowels in the English language and my problem was that I couldn't pronounce three correctly but because they repeat and you have these vowels almost in every word, I was making the same mistake in every sentence. And it sounded sounded like I'm making a lot of mistakes, and it sounded like I had inconsistent pronunciation patterns. But consistent mistakes, very consistent mistakes. And I listened to my videos from 2019, and I compared them with my podcasts from 2022 and 2023. I can hear the difference. I learned to pronounce the vowels differently, and I internalized this new pronunciation. A lot of people who are still practicing, who are still in the process of improving their pronunciation, ask me what they should do at a job interview, or what they should do if they already have to sell um, to native-speaking clients. What if they have to pitch their ideas in English and they know that they speak with an accent. Here is my advice. I know that a lot of people, for some reason, want to pretend that that they're not non-native speakers. They like to play this intense and crazy game of pretense where they want to be seen as native speakers. I guess this desperate need to belong drives them But in my experience, such people always get exposed, and then it doesn't really work well, neither for them nor for the person who they were speaking to. And we know from science that once you hit puberty, it's practically impossible, or I would say very, very difficult, to acquire a foreign language and speak without an accent. You can acquire a second language. And we do have bilingual adults, we have examples of bilingual adults, but they still speak with a slight accent. It depends on many factors. It depends on a lot of 
on a lot of individual parameters. It also depends on how long you've spent in an English speaking country. But in a nutshell, if you are an adult, chances are high that you will speak with an accent all your life. And people will hear a slight accent anyway. That's why my advice would be to mention it up front. Say that you're not a native speaker, but be confident. Own your truth, own your accent, own your improvement journey. You know that you're in the practice of improving your accent, your pronunciation, your overall communication skills in the English language. Own your truth, because when you try to hide it, you will by default feel not very confident and radiate lack of confidence too. If this is a job interview, say that you're not a native speaker, but you can write and speak professionally and you're in the practice of improving your English skills. Differentiate between accent and pronunciation. If you have an accent, that's, I would say, a slight problem. If you really, really want to get rid of it, hire an accent coach. This will improve the situation dramatically, but you'll probably still have a slight accent. And that's okay. But, and again, instead of trying to get rid of your accent, try to adopt the idea of learning a new accent. You don't always need to get rid of your accent. You can learn a totally new accent. And this might be a solution too. But you have to understand if this is your accent or your pronunciation, that's the problem. Or maybe poor grammar. Because if you speak poorly, if your grammar sucks, if you don't know what sentence stress or word stress is, then it's not your accent. Then it means you need to go back to square one and learn the basics. It means you need to check the pronunciation of every word in the dictionary. You need to repeat after native speakers and you need to unlearn the patterns that you learned incorrectly. If you're somebody who says feedback all the time, it's something that you remembered and you don't probably even remember how and when you remembered it, but now it's kind of part of your DNA. And the hardest part here is that you need to unlearn it. You don't really need to learn anything new. You need to unlearn this bad habit and teach yourself to say feedback all the time. And my third piece of advice would be reevaluate your goals. I put native like fluency on my website and I named my project as native like fluency for a reason. I know very well that I'm never going to become a native speaker. It is just impossible. I can't be born again. <laughs> and I had to be born in an English speaking country to be a native speaker. This already didn't happen. But native like fluency is something that is very, very possible. It's a feasible task. And I am very interested in achieving excellence and mastery. I've always known this. I just couldn't find the right words for what I believed in for many years. And once I found them, I put them on my website. Native like fluency is possible. And I never, ever want to pretend to be somebody who I'm not. Confidence doesn't, doesn't live there. So don't try to find it there. If you want to ask a question about this episode or leave a comment, please go to the community of practice. This is the only place on the internet where I reply to comments on my podcast episodes and where I see your comments. You'll find the show notes and the links to the videos and the article that I mentioned in the episode in the community of practice as well. And if you're someone who is interested in achieving native-like fluency and becoming a daring learner who understands the methodology of learning anything, any non-trivial skill, including a foreign language, 
Join the community of practice, become a member, and unlock dozens, now actually hundreds, of creative exercises that can help you practice not only the rhythm of English, but other skills such as clarity, better sentence stress, better grammar, brevity, attentiveness, your listening skills, your storytelling skills. Join the ride, and I'll see you there.